Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job 9 called Fighting a Losing Battle. See, this idea of the ancient wrestling match literally happened to a man named Jacob. And when I taught that message not too long ago in this congregation, I asked a question. I'll ask it of you tonight. Are you wrestling with God? Have you hit the bell? Okay, let's wrestle. (laughs) Some of you are limping. It's hard to fight against God. But that's where Job was. He says of God, this one that he might wrestle with or go to court with, he says, it is God who removes the mountains. He's so mighty and powerful. They know not how. This is uh, some language of creation, but it's kind of turned on its head. God removes the mountains. He made the mountains, now he removes them. He overturns them in his anger, perhaps implying that Job thinks God is angry with him. Some believe this is even the language of volcanic eruption. God shakes the earth, verse six, Job nine, out of its place, its pillars tremble. How do you fight somebody like this? Who spoke the universe into existence? Psalm 82, one through five says, God takes his stand in his own congregation. He judges in the midst of the rulers. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked, Selah? Vindicate the weak and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them out of the hand of the wicked. They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. In Hannah's song, Hannah said of God, he raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with nobles and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he set the world on them. Psalm 104, verse five says, God established the earth upon its foundation so that it will not totter forever and ever. But Job sees God as this being that could undo what he did. He made the creation, he holds it together, but he could make the earth totter. What could I do in comparison to a God like that? God is the one who commands the sun not to shine. Now, in the beginning, God said, let there be light, and there was light. God just, (laughs) bam, there it is, right? But in day of the Lord language, at one point in our uh, future, God is going to let the natural lights go out. The sun won't shine. The stars will lose their brilliance. How do you fight a being like that? Who could say to the sun, that's it, you're not going to shine today. Who could seal the stars so that they don't shine? Job says, what would I do in a situation like that? And maybe implied, how, how could I somehow try to understand and fathom the one who is the light in my life? Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness. He'll have the light of life. Psalm 27.1 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fare? But what happens when the one who is my light all of a sudden appears to be throwing darkness at me? What if the one that I look to for hope 
now seems to have me as his adversary. What then? What when I want to lean into God in a low point of my life and I'm standing on promises that I believed in my whole life and now his character is in question because I see something else happening in my life. God alone stretches out the heavens, Job continues. He tramples down the waves of the sea. Isaiah 44, 24 says that the Lord, your Redeemer, is the one who formed you from the womb. I am the Lord, the maker of all things, stretching out the heavens by myself, spreading out the earth all alone, Isaiah 44, 24. What do you do with a being like this? He says he does great things. Notice he makes the bear, Orion, these are constellations, Pleiades, and the chambers of the south, who does great things unfathomable and wondrous works without number. Were he to pass by me, I would not see him. God is spirit, he's invisible. Were he to move past me, I would not perceive him. Would you all turn to the book of Mark, chapter six? Mark, chapter six. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark, chapter six, the famous account of Jesus sending them into the boat And here's what the Bible says about that account. So Mark 6, verse 45. Mark 6, 45. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat, Mark 6, 45, and go ahead of him to the other side to Bethsaida while he himself was sending the crowd away. After bidding them farewell, Mark 6, 46, he left for the mountain to pray. When it was evening, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Seeing them straining at the oars, for the wind was against them, at about the fourth watch of the night, well into the wee hours of the morning now, he came to them walking on the sea, and he intended to what? To pass them by. Do you know that many scholars believe that Jesus walking on the waves and intending to pass them by comes from Job chapter 9. And here's the deal. The disciples are in quite a quandary. The Sea of Galilee has whipped up a major storm. They're fighting against the storm, the wind and the waves. They believe they're going to perish. And all of a sudden, coming, walking on top of not a calm, a body of water, right? On top of the big waves, Jesus is walking on the water. He tramples on the waves. This is one evidence that Jesus is God. And Mark says he intended to what? Pass them by, which is also from Job chapter nine. If, I, if he was near me, I wouldn't perceive him. He would pass me by. And why do you think that Mark says that he intended to pass them by? Do you think he was just gonna go by and say, hey boys, <laughs> this is a quicker mode of transportation anyway. You look like you're having problems. No, I think Jesus did this because he wanted them to do what? to call upon his name. And maybe implied, implicit in Mark is something like this. Lord, when I'm in my storm, don't pass me by. And whenever you're in a storm, I think the one thing that God wants us to do is call out to him, to ask him to come into the boat, to calm the waves. And if he doesn't calm the waves, at least that we know he's in the boat with us,
But remember, in the beginning of the account, Jesus went up to pray on the mountain. He had sent them into the storm. It was Jesus' doing. He sent them into the storm. It was his will to teach them what? Well, many lessons, and some of which, as we continue reading, we see, because it says in verse 49, when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a phantasma or a ghost, and they cried out, and for they all saw him and were terrified, but immediately he spoke to them, he spoke with them, said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them and the wind stopped and they were utterly astonished. Keep reading. For they had not gained any insight from the incident of the loaves, but their heart was hardened. Do you know, that Jesus sent the disciples into the storm right after he did the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And they had not learned the lesson. And so he sent them into a storm to soften their hard hearts. Hmm. I wonder if God ever does that to me. Have you ever come to a point in your Christian life where, go back to Job if you would, and you're in a bit of cruise control, maybe kind of kicking back, resting on your laurels. Oh, you're going to church, you're reading your Bible, but some of your passions died, you have to be honest. And all of a sudden, God puts you in a situation where you have to pray like you ain't prayed for a while. Anybody? Oh, Lord. The wind and the waves. <laughs> right? And you, I don't got this one. This, this one doesn't look as easy as the other ones, like going to church and saying my prayers before I go to bed. Right? And all of a sudden, you got to pray and press into God, and you're going into a storm. <laughs> Jesus says, good. Because you didn't learn the lesson from the last storm I put you in. You didn't learn the lesson from the last time I showed you my power on the mountain. So you're going to go in again. How many tests does it take <laughs> to soften a heart like mine? Oh, I wish it were just a few. And so you can see in Job 9, a couple of those references, Job 9 verse 8, God tramples down the waves of the sea. I want you to think of that Mark passage when Jesus walks on the waves. And then Job 9.11, were he to pass by me, I would not see him. Were he to move past me, think of the boat in Mark 6, I would not perceive him. They thought it was a ghost, it was a specter, it was a spirit, but Jesus says, no, no, it's I, don't, don't be afraid. And they called him into the boat and things calm down. I don't know that every time this happens that all my storms are gonna go away. But I do know if he's on my boat, I'm okay. Amen. Well, this is the God who makes constellations. He does all these incredible things. Were he, look at, go down to verse 12. Were he to snatch away, who could restrain him? Who could say to him, what are you doing? <laughs> You ever said that to somebody? What? 
What do you think you're doing? You remember when the disciples went to get the colt for Jesus for the uh, triumphal entry and they were untying the colt and the owners of the colt said, hey, <laughs> that's my Dodge Colt, man. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. What do you think you're doing? You remember when the disciples went to get the colt for Jesus for the uh, triumphal entry, and they were untying the colt, and the owners of the colt said, hey, (laughs) that's my Dodge Colt, man. What do you think you're doing? And they said, oh, but the Lord has need of it. Oh, and then they let the colt go. Now, I would not use that line if you're trying to take somebody's bicycle or automobile. (laughs) The Lord has need of it. Well, he has my phone number, so (laughs) try again. But let me introduce you to Mr. Smith and Mr. Wesson. See, when you say to somebody, what are you doing? That's like a bystander who's putting the rightness of an action into question. And Job questions whether you could ask the question, what are you doing? But we've all probably asked it, at least in our minds. What are you up to here? What are you doing? Notice, God will not turn back his anger beneath him, Crouch the helpers of Rahab. One writer says, even the helpers of Rahab, a story, storybook monsters of evil were no match for God. And Job, I think, implied is saying, why do you treat me as if I'm your enemy? I don't understand. How then can I answer him, 14, and choose my words before him? How can I find words to argue with him, says Job in the NIV, verse 14. Do you all hold your place in Job and go over to Isaiah chapter 45? So in Isaiah chapters 40 through 48, God, the true God of the Bible, is calling in the false gods into a kind of a metaphorical courtroom to challenge whether they're legit. And in the middle of that section, Isaiah 45, there's a prophecy given 
The prophecy is about Cyrus, but there's some interesting language about quarreling with God I want you to see, and it's Isaiah 45, verse six, and uh, how many of you, uh, do you guys like court shows? I, I enjoy the court shows, you know, the, the legal defenses, the cross-examinations, all of those shows. So, uh, can you imagine being cross-examined by God? <laughs> Give me some extra water. <laughs> all right, uh, would you like to cross-examine the witness? Here comes the Lord. <laughs> do, you think, do you think he could undo you on the witness stand a little bit? As he enters into the cross, <laughs> shining bright light. <laughs> right? It says 45, 6 of Isaiah, that men may know from the rising of the, to the setting of the sun that there is no one besides me, God speaking. I am the Lord, 45, 6 of Isaiah. There is no other. The one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all these. Drip down, O heavens, from above. Let the clouds pour down righteousness. Let the earth open up salvation, bear fruit, and bear fruit. And righteousness spring up with it. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe to the one who does what? Who quarrels with his maker. But this is what Job essentially is doing. An earthenware vessel among the vessels of earth. Will the clay say to the potter, what? Here's our phrase. What are you doing? <laughs> or the thing you are making say, he has no hands. Go back to the book of Job. Could you imagine if you were forming a piece of pottery on one of those potter's wheels, you're adding a little water to it, shaping it, and the clay spoke up. Hey, why are you making me like this? Because me, Potter, you, Clay. And when'd you start talking anyway? I don't know, but... <laughs> if that's what a pot sounds like, I have no idea. <laughs> if it was from VeggieTales, he would say, but Bob, I don't have any hands. All right, never mind. For though I were right, so let's say I was in the courtroom with God. Though I were right, and is Job in one sense right? Yeah. He hasn't done anything wrong. He's been blameless. I could not answer. I would have to implore the mercy of my judge. Let's say I had a good argument against God. Where, where's that going? <laughs> He's the judge of the universe. If I called and he answered me, I could not believe that he was listening to my voice. If I actually said something, I would be overwhelmed that he even responded. For he bruises me with a tempest. Later, God will answer Job from a tempest. Job is saying something like this. He's like talking to a tornado or a hurricane. And let me tell you one other thing. <laughs> Can you imagine? You're trying to argue with a tornado or a hurricane and something else. You just get sucked up into the vortex. Have you seen those tornado chaser people? You ever seen those movies where they actually chase the thing? Wild stuff. Why would you ever do something like that? And then they try to send up the equipment into it. He bruises me with a tempest, multiplies my wounds without cause. He will not allow me to get my breath, but saturates me with bitterness if it is a matter of power, remember Job's friends are here listening to this now. Behold, he is the strong one 
And if it's a matter of justice, who can summon him? Though I am righteous, my mouth will condemn me. Though I am guiltless, he will declare me guilty. Now Job's, some of his things are yes and some are no. Because his perceptions about God are flawed right now. God is not mad at Job. God has allowed Satan to get at him. And and God says to Satan, you incited me against him without a cause. Job's still trying to figure out what is at the heart of this problem. And there is something spiritual going on beyond what he can see. And that's why he's struggling. And this is where we have to make a little room, my brothers and sisters. Please hear what I'm about to say. We have to make a little room for the spiritual world that we don't see. See, as a Christian, you've acknowledged that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. As a Christian, you've acknowledged that there's another uh, world that you cannot see right now, where there are enemies and there, there's things that go on. There, there's the deep workings of God and And this is where we have to allow a little bit of wiggle room that everything in our lives is not always going to measure up perfectly to some system we've created in our minds. I know the world likes that which is predictable, and we as people, as humans, like that which is predictable. But Job says, this has happened to me without a cause. I am guiltless, 21. I do not take notice of myself. I despise or loathe my life. Job's words imply that he is beside himself with confusion and grief. Perhaps he is simply tired and tired of hearing himself talk. Have you ever become tired of hearing yourself talk? You're just like, talk, 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 talk. (laughs) And finally you're like to yourself, shut up. (laughs) If nobody else is going to say it, I'm going to say it to you in the mirror. Quiet. Talk, 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 talk. You ever been at a point where you're so talked out and you've analyzed something from about 72 different angles that you do something like this? You you, you just become almost like giddy and you're like, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. (laughs) I think that's kind of where Job is at. You've been listening to Fighting a Losing Battle Part 2 on Walk in Truth. And that's Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 9. And please follow Walk in Truth on social media. Walk in Truth is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Follow us at Walk in Truth Show. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, certainly Job had asked the question whether explicitly or implicitly, what have I done wrong? What did I do to deserve this? And the truth is that Job had done nothing to deserve what he got. In fact, he was a righteous and blameless man. And sometimes we can feel like, man, I'm being punished for things I did in my past. And look, if you're a Christian, your sins were nailed to the cross with Jesus. It's done. God is no longer counting your sin against you. You are forgiven. In fact, you have the righteousness of Christ credited to your account if you're a believer. And that is so glorious and so wonderful. Now, that doesn't mean that our Father doesn't discipline us, and I would make a distinction between I'm being you know, judged or punished for my sin and being disciplined by a loving Father. If you're a Christian, 
That could happen. It does happen. But we got to make the distinction between, hey, my sins were nailed to the cross, paid in full. That's what Jesus said. It's finished at the cross. And what might be a loving moment of discipline from our Heavenly Father. And I, I think we can know what the difference is and ask for discernment as we respond to the different trials of this life. Hey, well, one of the ways to deal with the trials of this life and find comfort and encouragement is to gather with other believers. And I want to invite you to our Sunday morning service at Living Truth Christian Fellowship, where I serve as senior pastor. Now, we're doing one service right now at 10 a.m. It's such a blessing to have the whole church come together. One service, 10 a.m. We do have a whole Sunday school program from, you know, taking care of babies on up. And we also have a concurrent high school youth group that meets during the 10 a.m. service as well. We're going through the incredible book of Exodus, and I would love for you to join us in person for one of these services. If you're anywhere within driving distance of Corona, we're right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. You can find out driving directions when you go to walkintruth.com. Don't forget, if you can't make it in person, we do live stream on our YouTube channel that Sunday morning service. So join us there. Again, you can find out everything when you go to walkintruth.com. God bless you. I hope you have a great weekend and we'll talk to you very soon. God bless. And remember, we've skipped over some of Pastor Michael's teachings in the book of Job, but you can listen or watch those teachings when you download our free Living Truth app. It's the one with the red logo with the pillars. And join us on Monday for the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job 9 called Fighting a Losing Battle. I'm Mike Massaro. Have an awesome weekend. And thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.